February 19th, 2014. This is Idle Thumbs 146. I'm Sean Vanneman. I'm Jake Rodkin. We are without Chris and Nick this week, but we are joined by uh, Danielle Rando and Greg Kasavin, whose name I almost forgot for a second. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Uh, sure. I'm Do Greg. It. How's it going? Uh, I work at Supergiant. Uh, we made Bastion and we're working on Transistor, so this is a nice uh, little break for me right now to be here so thank you yeah for thanks for me. thanks for not making a video game for an hour to come <laughs> and talk about video games thanks with for us. mortgaging the, the future quality of your product sure thing anytime our podcast yeah. that's very special yeah what are you giving up to be here well i'm giving up an hour of playing games i'm uh yeah i'm danielle riendo i work at polygon.com i'm a game reviewer i play a lot of video games uh and it's my job that's great pretty Sweet. fun awesome yeah. thanks for being here thank you yeah so so let's see. Danielle, you were on the on Idle Thumbs like probably 15 episodes ago or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it was, it was maybe actually like six months ago. It was in August right before Gone Home, I feel like. Okay, It was right. one of the first, yeah, first podcasts I was on and as a polygoner. Great. Interesting timing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about that, Feminist Cabal? Yeah. I don't know. I love that. I kind of so do much. too. We all love that. And Greg, you were on Dota today, yeah, but never correct. Have you ever been yeah. on Idle Thumbs? Correct. Oh, oh my man. god! So yeah, Greg works at Supergiant. Yeah. He makes good video games. We right? had an episode that I think was named after you. We had we had a GEC conf grenade <laughs> called Games Cassavin. Yeah, oh, because wow. I kept referring to you as Greg on the podcast. Like, oh, so Greg, I was talking to Greg, and like, you mean Greg Cassavin? Yeah. So we had an informal rule for a while that anytime anyone referred to someone else in the industry that they were friends with, but that our readers weren't friends with on a first name basis, their last name was just implicitly Cassavin. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> good rule. Yeah, that's since died off. But um, I almost called you Games Cassavin when you showed up, which that's is all right. a disaster. It's got, it's got a good ring to it. I thought about you this morning. Do you know why I thought about you this morning? No. It's a Dota 2 thing. I see. I see. Did you know that the premiere of Free to Play I heard is it's, here? It's finally happening. At right? GDC? And, oh, at, at GDC? the Castro Theater? Whoa. Oh, my God. No way. Yeah. You can buy tickets like right now. That's that's cool. I'm glad it's happening. I was worried for a while there. That... Did you see it at the International? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it was it, it was good. Yeah. Was so what is this? Free to Play <laughs> is an in-house made documentary about Dota 2 that yeah. is... About sort of the path to like esports stardom. Yeah, it's about like pro players, uh, and it, it, it was it was pretty balanced. Like all, a lot of them have in common like parents who are like, "Dude, you are crazy," you know, from all different parts of the world, whether it's in Asia or Ukraine and all kinds of stuff. Parents just kind of like dealing with their kid being a pro Dota player and stuff. So it's kind of an interesting look at that. Right, and they screened it at the international. Yeah. Okay. It was like a pre. It was like nearly done, and I think it was still kind of. They're trying to get like legal approval on some aspects of it and stuff, and then it just kind of went quiet for a while. So I, I was. Yeah, it was like six months ago. They're lining up this Castro screening because no, I'm so excited. <laughs> official Dota events cannot help but be staged in the most opulent of <laughs> venues, apparently. Yeah. Right, because the international is in like the the, the, the Seattle Benoit Opera House, Symphony yeah. Hall, Symphony Hall, right? Yeah, and now they've. When premiering this at GDC, they're putting it in like the crazy gold domed old movie palace. So. Yes, God, I really hope the organist is there. He, I'm sure he will. Music from the game. No one will recognize <laughs> it. It's so good. So there's an organist at the Castro Theater. Who does he rise up from the stage? Is yes, he inside the stage. Yeah, oh, it's, so good. It's not the stage doesn't open, but yeah, it starts down so, so that they can cap it. He when lives no down there, right? He, yeah, there's a small house. God, down I really there. hope it's he's just got like cubby. a tiny little co- there's a, co- um, rack and like a little bunk. Yeah, there's a Newbery winning <laughs> uh, children's amazing. book about him. Oh, he has to live in there. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's all I have it's to say home. about that. The only reason I bought because I was looking at the tickets and they're twenty five bucks, which is a little high. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm looking at it. I have to. I have to buy two. I don't want to be that guy who just goes by himself and just sits there. Um, I mean, I would have been no problem. 
But as I was like thinking about, oh, do I buy tickets to this thing? Ollie, like over my shoulders, goes, maybe they'll give away something, like some sort of in-game item. And I'm like, instantly purchase. <laughs> <laughs> of course they will. We don't know that. Let's not let's not count our our like. One can only hope that it is before they hatch. <laughs> One can only hope that it's a uh, that it's a like little courier man, but it's of the Castro Theater organist. <laughs> oh my god. The most annoying courier that's ever existed. He plays old timey silent movie tunes and like Calliope song. I would play incredible. That. If that were the case, I would probably start playing Dota two and spend money uh, <laughs> through some shady reseller uh, to get my own mighty Wurlitzer courier man. Wow, that's a really good idea. Anyway, that's what I've been playing. That's not true. I've also been playing. I, Valve's listening games, to this but... cast, so. Yeah. They're, gonna, they're gonna implement Just that. Plant, they actually seeds. play it over the speakers at the studio. It's like everybody has to go to their desks. It's like that like that old boom, Mac boom, ad. Boom. <laughs> actually, Gabe Newell reads the transcript of Idle Thumbs over the speakers. Good morning. Podcast for today. <laughs> this is episode one forty six. Chris Raybell cannot make it this week. <laughs> Absences include. I want to know if that's a Gabe Newell impression or a Your Principles impression. It's kind uh, of like a cross blend. A little bit of both. A little okay. column A, a little column B. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. It's Principal Gabe. They were actually really <laughs> similar now that I think about it. Our principal was like Whoa. this old like college football player who was like in his like now his late fifties, but had like old football player size. It's like six five, a oh, massive wow. giant man who would take up half the hallway, so Maybe he was Gabe Nolan. Yeah, he worked on the say. Microsoft kernel. Yeah. <laughs> he was a programmer at Microsoft in the <laughs> early 90s. Yeah. I guess 80s. Yeah. You well, said you played eight games. I did. I reviewed, well, I played two other games on top of this, but I reviewed three RPGs in a row and then three platformers in a row. You didn't want to do a little back and forth? Like, you yeah. just went all exactly. RPG? You're like, well, here's the next 120 hours of my life. It wasn't entirely by choice, you see. Can I ask a question just about Please. being a reviewer? Please you do. know this, too, because you were a reviewer of some repute for a long time. Oh, I got era, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you have to review an RPG, mm-hmm. what is your mindset going into that experience, and how much time are you going to set aside for it? Well, I pretty much have to play it like 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, I did, sorry, I thought you were 12 <laughs> to 14 hours. You really get the gist of what's happening. Oh, no, no, no. No, you complete it. I have to complete the game. Yeah. You must complete it. Yes. Are you contractually obligated to complete it? Not contractually obligated, but it's sort of an understanding. Like, you need to get to the end of this because, especially in an RPG or a JRPG, you know, the story is supposedly something you're going to be commenting on and you need to see the ending, so on and so forth. I mean, it's certainly different for a game like if it's an MMO or, you know, I was playing a roguelike, which was one of these games. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are slightly different rules for games that don't necessarily sure. have one kind of ending or one story ending. Are those, like, when you say rules, is that, like, general, like, sort of, like, industry guidelines? Or is that your outlet being, like, this is why we're going to handle these games? It's kind of our outlet. We're, okay. we're pretty serious about it. And, and also, I'm really lucky in that I only review games. I mean, I also work on the opinion section, and I'll pitch features occasionally, but I don't do news. Like, I'm not, like, on my computer. Not on the beat. Yeah, I'm not on the beat. Wait, so your job day. is to play games every day? Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's a great job, guys. <laughs> it's pretty rad. How do you mit- – sorry, I got I'm really interested in yeah, this. Yeah, totally. How do you mentally prepare for I'm going to spend the next 14 hours of my day with – this. <laughs> yeah, do you guys and both like, have like regimens like, that you yeah, have to you, like have to get like okay, basically I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit on a yoga ball so I can work on my my posture, yeah. like, take breaks. Like I wanna like what do you do? Oh totally. Well so like okay. This is how my brain works. I'm an athlete. Like I'm a runner, I'm a marathoner, I You're box. a video game athlete. And yeah, exactly. Oh, you're a real athlete. I'm a real I'm oh. an actual <laughs> athlete and I, I literally approach you it play the same all way. Your RPGs on the power pad. Like I'm one of those deals. Yeah. I actually have one of those, but you know. Uh-huh. I mean I actually have like a you know, bike that I can play games oh, on that's and stuff. Actually really good. Which is pretty fun. But yeah. uh yeah, so I like I literally approach it the same way. Like it's a marathon. Like, I'm, like, literally playing the game as if I'm training for a marathon. Like, I have to do this much in this amount of time. I have to, like, put in these miles and put in these hours. It's kind of the same in my brain, which is weird, which I don't know if other people do it that way, but... Crazy. Did you have I to train it. up? Yeah. That's she, how I she, look she at it. a big bowl of pasta the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, did you, like... I totally do. You know, you play, like, the, the two-hour game, and then you sort of stop you you know like well i look at leveling as if i'm training almost it's sort of the same thing so for an rpg yeah i'm seriously looking at it like okay i put in these miles like i put in this time i've got these experience points whatever it sort of translates oddly in my brain but it 
works, I guess, for me. And then I literally take a break to run or to go box, oh, like, good. in the middle of the day or good. at night or whatever. So I make sure to do something physical while I'm, like, literally stuck playing something for hours. Yeah. The more violent the game, the more violent the, the break you exactly. take. Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. like, do I run or do I hit people? <laughs> like, yeah. which one today? Yeah. Have you? So out of all the, like, is there any game that you want? Yeah. Okay. So the weirdest one, and I think is the one most worth talking about, and it's called The Sun at Night. It is a strange, fascinating platformer, sort of Metroidvania game starring, um, I might pronounce this wrong, so I apologize if I do, but Laika, the the first dog in space. Oh, yeah. The Russian dog. Okay. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah. Yeah. So Laika is a robot. Yeah. Yeah. it's It's a girl dog. Yeah. It's very special. Um, Laika is a robot dog in this world. Oh, so they can't even put a woman in a video game without yeah, turning into right? a robot. Right? Okay. <laughs> Fucking typical video It's game. a lady robot dog. <laughs> it's, a, it's a girl. It's okay. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> she's almost like a Samus dog a little bit, you know, because okay. she sort of has a exosuit and a gun mounted to her head. And like the real like did. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly like like did. Oh, you said Osama's dog. I thought you said Osama's dog. Oh, no. <laughs> so, mech suit. Like, you know, like Bin Laden's like yeah. dog. <laughs> you know, that's how that went down, right? Okay, sorry. Yeah, well, that's what happened. The, the seals stormed into his house in Abbottabad yeah. and had to actually, like, rodeo his mech suit and <laughs> yeah. rip out his, his core processor. That's how it works. Before taking him down, yeah. So it, he, it was a Titanfall yeah. encounter, basically? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's what well, I saw. Did you see that movie? <laughs> Titanfall? Zero, it's a video game. No, the Zero Dark Thirty. That's what happens at the end. Spoilers. Oh, yeah. I, that's not what happened in it. Sam Bin Lang gets rodeoed by a Navy SEAL. <laughs> yeah, they left his dog behind, though. Yeah, for this with game. His, with yeah, his I mean, tiny suit. That's where this That's right. So his dog I mean, has, has, a, has a Metroid-esque suit. Right, right, exactly. Can and you unlock the Zero suit for the dog? No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. But I was going to say, you know, the liberal media wanted you to think it was a dialysis machine, and it was really like a Titanfall thing that what? Osama had. But, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. His kidneys were fine. Oh, man, you were you totally jumped back around. I was we really confused. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I was working through that one in my brain for a little while. Anyway, this game is the weirdest mix of, like, really actually highbrow and interesting ideas and like the most dumbest most lowbrow stupid video game bullshit like, so this is ever. right up our alleys yeah it's, it's kind of fascinating and actually the first build i played of it was broken like it was so broken but i still really enjoyed it and then of course we got the retail version to make sure and it's a little better it's still a little janky but um god it's Who's making? Who makes yeah, it? Yeah, I was actually just thinking. Uh, yeah. They're in Austin, actually. I think. Oh, so it's an American team. Yeah, it's an American team. Uh, they're a small indie studio. God, this is going to drive me crazy. Who made it? I'll think of it, and I'll you know, or maybe Jake will someone slowly has has a special smartphone. Yeah. In the internet yeah. Anyway, so you're playing as this robot dog, and it's a you know two D side scroller where you're shooting enemies, and it's based in this weird Soviet alternate history universe where the soviets blew up america and all of everybody's at war and you're sort of acting with a rebellion that's trying to you know like it defects yeah a little bit twist yeah exactly (laughs) and so you're playing this game and there are all these thoughts about animal experimentation and all these sort of interesting actually somewhat highbrow thoughts about you know what happened to Laika, the real dog you know there's a lot of thematic things going on about animal experimentation and what's right and what's wrong and so on and so forth, the morality of these things. But you're fighting tigers with, like, laser cannons and bears with missile launchers and, like, just ridiculous cartoon video game bullshit. And you're finding these notes from, like, soldiers who are talking to their sweethearts back home, and there's this one... Animal soldiers or human soldiers? Human soldiers. Mm. And there's this one encounter really early in the game where you're talking to a soldier in this rebel camp, and he sort of carries along his family's collection of books, like, dating back to the 1800s, where people have doodled on them and wrote notes in the margin, and his whole family is dead, and he actually keeps this collection of books as, like, a reminder of his family. And just these, like, really poignant, sweet kind of things about war and about morality are happening in this game with, like, bears with laser cannons. And then a raccoon destroys yeah. them with an RPG. <laughs> basically. That's basically sort of what's going on here. So I, I was fascinated by what, this game. What is the 
gameplay genre of this? Just, you said it's like a platformer? Mm-hmm. Metro- platformer, Metroid, Metroidvania kind of thing. You know, you're getting new upgrades to your gun and your suit and all of these things while you go. And yeah, and you're exploring. There's a lot of exploration, you know. Wow. The developer yeah. is Minicore Studios. Yes. Okay. Minicore, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that's worth playing, I think, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it's just like a fun, interesting. What platform is it on? Uh, I played it on PC. Oh. And I think it's just PC now, but Mac and Linux later. One of those deals, cool. possibly. But yeah, just a fascinating, weird, interesting game. That, it, it reminds me of a comic, but I won't go into it. No, you should. Oh, you, yeah. you read Wii 3. It's like animals in space helmets. And no. They have some mech suits situations there, I think, as well. Oh. <laughs> but no historical grounding of Wii 3, I don't think. The historical grounding of it being like a space traveling dog makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really special. Yeah, and they go into how Leica got all her her kit, how she be- went from sort of space dog to mech dog. Is it that, doesn't really go into that. Kind of too those far. Lines a little bit. I mean, it, it, she she's sort of learning. <laughs> you, want, you never want too much backstory. Yeah, she she kind of learns about herself as she goes through the game and learns about all these other animals that were experimented on and all these oh, other. There's all this AI that's gone haywire and yeah, it's just Is that monkey that Iran just sent to space in it. Oh my god, it needs to be. I mean, it's supposed <laughs> to be. Oh guy, he's just like wow, well, fuck. He's just hilarious. He's like, like completely vapid, like I like staring into his own mortality expression <laughs> as they were like putting him into the capsule. Oh, so good. It's so deep. It's really fucked up. But. I mean, because I mean, monkey. I mean, monkey. it depends on the species, right? But but I think it was a capuchin. Okay, so he looked like. I don't know. I'm not really a monkey Chimpish. scientist guy. Yeah, it's just that you know chimps have some self awareness yeah. more so than dogs do. Yeah. So this it's is a monkey. kind of this fascinating. Oh, okay. This okay. Monkey, yeah. Still, there's primates. I mean, higher primates still have some of those things going on. Like it was All a talking explored. dog, What's by the, name the way. Of this game so, again? Um, this, the sun at night. Sun at night. Yeah. Oh. Fascinating game. Yeah. Top that, Greg. <laughs> You've been playing your <laughs> own game, right? You've just been playing your own game, right? I've been playing that. I um, I always have to play something on that. I've been playing that Bravely Default game. Oh, which yeah. Would, uh, which, what did um, you say? Which I think we're... Yeah, yeah good, I actually, actually just reviewed that. That's yeah. Cool. Um, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's basically like a, you know, whatever for... For, for people who have been playing the Final Fantasy stuff for a while, it's like a throwback to like Final Fantasy V wow. era. It's like basically a sequel to that. Um, I I don't really understand why they didn't call it Final Fantasy because it is one. Um, like down yes. to like Phoenix Downs and like the specific it's Square make all of it. It's, like a team Square published it. Uh, it sounds mm-hmm. like it's a it's got a different team uh, on it that I have not mm-hmm. heard of before. Um, I think it you know it seems to frankly be benefiting uh, from that. Um, it's it's a much truer Final Fantasy game than uh, anything I've played in in many years. Um, uh, so yeah, it's really it's like the sort of thing that I I'll play for fifteen minutes. You know, no matter how late I'm going to sleep, I could like play it for a little while. Um, and the all, all the presentation and stuff is really really good. Uh, it's got the art style that's like a throwback to. Final is, Fantasy is it actually like low res pixel art stuff, or is it just it's, it's a high res but sort of in that it, vein? It's three D. Like if okay. you remember the um, the like the like the Final Fantasy Tactics art style, these kind okay. of doll doll like uh, characters. It's like not the traditional you know Nomura whatever like belts and tassels and all that stuff <laughs> that's like you associate with Final right. Fantasy at this point. It's just these. The, like the characters like belts per square inch. Yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's more, it, and it's a balance I always found really fascinating. Where it's like these really like cute, almost like childlike characters, but like a relatively heavy uh, story premise. You know, nations at war and that sort of thing. I always found that pretty interesting. Um, so it's just got a good uh, nostalgic uh, kind of feel to it, but but it has some has some cool. I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to sound dumb on yeah. all fronts here because I know jack about any final fantasy stuff and about this game but i keep seeing people talk about it and the name is super striking what the heck does the name mean yeah so it so like the the short answer is it means nothing it's like a i i I remember when that no so (laughs) from the makers of final fantasy it actually criticism from a guy who owns a company called campo santa no i'm super super curious about it because i keep seeing people say like i'm I'm playing bravely default yeah wow that's not like a weird like meta name or something like i made fun of that name like a lot when it was first like when i just because square enix i mean their the titles of their games are pretty you know from the from the creators of kingdom kingdom hearts you know 358 divided by two or whatever, right. however yeah. you pronounce yeah. that game. <laughs> um, so, uh, but they have like, there's a game 
it's it's a reference to a system in the game. You can you have like the brave system and the default. The default in the game is like an action that you can take to like give up your turn to raise your defense. Okay. So bravely default is like a pun on certain in-game terms that they have, but it, it that doesn't help. You, so it is a weird meta thing, but it's a meta thing that's like disappearing into itself. Yeah, again, I, I don't get why they didn't just call it Final Fantasy and be done, but may, I don't know, cause that's, that's because there's probably a huge subset of modern Final Fantasy likers who would lose their mind. <laughs> like Maybe, but... The wave would crash just, backwards the other the direction. the management on the Final Fantasy like moniker is insane yeah. you know getting through everybody to be like to finally put out yeah. a final fantasy game where the logo maybe they just didn't want it to have like a white box they all have white boxes don't all the final they fantasy totally games just have a white box yeah. like a little yeah, sort of logo. scribble yeah. Yeah. yeah so the crazy thing about the title of brave of the default is that they dropped the subtitle in america yeah. flying, <gasps> flying fairy, fairy. Yep. but it's actually when you beat the game i won't spoil it but yeah. the subtitle changes when you beat the game very subtly which is a giant story spoiler, and it's crazy. It's completely crazy what that cool. actually means and what it, it's like. Did you really like this game? I really enjoyed this yeah, game. Yeah, it seems like, yeah. But, I mean, I, there were some issues with it. Like, you know, there's some sexism in the game that I sort of called out. And then, of course, even though we gave the game a really high score, people were like, ah, feminism sidebar. But, yeah. you know, whatever. That happens. Um, and it definitely drags. The end game kind of drags really badly. But it's a really awesome game. And that Bravely default system in it is actually yeah, it's cool. pretty cool. It's like a cool twist on combat that actually keeps it. Interesting. And you can also turn off random encounters, which is a nice thing you can oh, do nice. for, can for turn- like a traditional JRPG. Right. And you can just, I guess you would just turn those on to like level up your guy. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. can turn it up. You can turn it higher, lower, wow, turn it off entirely. Weird. Replace every yeah. tile in the game with an encounter. Is that, is that <laughs> pretty much at the yeah. menu level or is that it's, they it's try the, to no, wind that right into in the menu? The menu. Yeah. Yeah. You have some sort of like, okay. I wish I wish that they did. I mean, you know even, even like, like D-pad binds. Like, I feel like, like if that showed up <laughs> yeah. in a super giant game, you'd be like, no, you're yeah. going to have a medallion and it's going right. to attract bad guys. That, <laughs> that is, dial it down. That is correct. Nice. You know us well. No, it's true. But yeah, even in like Pokemon or whatever, you'd have like an item that like, oh, this attracts wild Pokemon or something. Right. At least try to tie it in somehow, but they—I I think they threw it in there as more of like a difficulty setting type of thing. Like, oh, if you get annoyed by the random encounters, you can just turn them off. So that's cool. Did you that's see cool. on Twitch that they were playing yes. Pokemon? Yeah, they are still chat. playing. Still it, it's you know about this? Yeah, it is oh, okay. incredible. It's the yeah. best. Yeah, I don't know. How it, it was up to like ninety thousand people yesterday watching it concurrently. I think, um, which is so yeah. they just had a. They had Pokemon running presumably in an emulator, but the controls were hooked up to a person who or to a bot in the chat reading aggregate commands yeah. and then executing them. Yeah, Twitch mm-hmm. chat was like basically emu- right. So you could tap, you know, type like a, you know, back up and right. so on. Those those basic like Game Boy commands. And they're all getting filtered or whatever, and some people are trolling it, and yeah, I, other people are trying to make progress. And I love that chaos. stuff so much. I saw yeah. like. It seems like people are now trying to do that with a bunch of other things. Like I saw Bennett Foddy tweet oh, that he had uh, he had someone had Quop up and running oh, really? in a Twitch bot, which is obviously not going to work. And then the the team meet guys were like, "Someone please hook Super Meat Boy up to this." Yeah, like I think the reason Pokemon is such a brilliant <laughs> no, choice for it is, is because well, it controls. It's, 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 it's turn based. It's so simple too. right? Yeah, it's like the real, really simple digital controls with yeah. something with like like fluid analog movement. Right, well, like, like I don't. Quop is clearly just the most obvious yeah, yeah. opposite direction of that. Like it's I, not going to go anywhere. I but. think the other fascinating thing with Pokemon is like there is all this content like progression like people have these kind of classic moments in mind of like oh my god it's going to get totally impossible when it comes time to you know use your like cut Pokemon to like open this little tiny gate and they actually pulled that off somehow and everyone just lost it crazy Um, so yeah that's really good it reminds me of a stupid but actually awesome thing that we used to do on Idle Thumbs but it was way ages ago someone wrote a Java based Infocom text adventure parser and then they hooked it up to a forum bot so any like so it would just say you're standing in front of a house there's a mailbox and then if someone posted go west it would reply to your post with what happened so people would just brute it wasn't real time like twitch but it was like it was nothing in it was nothing in comparison but we were really proud of it like 10 years ago the end it's still cool like anything where a crowd is playing a game yeah crowds playing a single player game like that is super weird it's good yeah um it's like that Flappy Bird MMO. Oh god, that's also <laughs> incredible. That actually, oh, wow. that actually is incredible. Someone okay, <laughs> someone made a. Uh, I think this is called Flappy MMO, and it's just it looks like um, 
when you die in Super Meat Boy and the four million Meat yeah. Boys all roll through, but it's oh, actually yeah. just it's they just have people. they have real time ghosts of everyone else. So, so like, many flappies. Like yeah. at the, in the first like three pipes, it's just like this mass, and then like this, 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 it feels this like, giant like this. Yeah, but then you like you feel like the like the Millennium Falcon making it out of the exploding Death Star and Return of the Jedi because like the explosion of all these flappy birds slowly peels away until like if you make it out to like pipe eleven. Somebody or 12. playing that right now is just like silently out there, right? At like pipe whatever. Yeah, well, it's ninety five. I, I saw I saw Ollie playing. He made it out, you know, like 11, 12, 13, and then he died, and we're like, wait, 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 and then just <laughs> a guy just like silently, like, sailed past 10 it. seconds after sailed past his corpse. It was, that's, anyway, that's the majesty it's of special, uh, a flappy MMO. It's very good. Jake. That's what I played this week. Oh, nice. Well, Jake, I, I had, I have a game for you for your Wii U, also. <gasps> this is, yeah, what Donkey Kong Country Tropical yeah. Freeze. I heard that was good. It's phenomenal. It's like the hardest classic platformer. Really? And it's so, they so, went so good. full on, yeah. like, they, it's like for a hardcore audience. It super is, yeah. It's up there with, like, is it like a Meat Boy and it's difficult? Oh, it's not quite Meat Boy okay. for sure, but it, it's tough. Like, it's really, really hard. I mean, I, I died dozens and dozens of times on, like, every boss encounter. Wow. And they were all really fun and really, it's a really pretty game. It it's feels, very Wii U like worthy. I haven't fine. played uh, New Super Mario U because I have ideological blocks against playing the New Super Mario Brothers games because I'm an ass. But uh, no, I think it's worth. I think that's totally fine. I think I can't. Know. I can't deal with the fact that all of the enemies stop and do a dance move at a certain <laughs> point in the song, and it upsets the timing of the entire level. But it's just like. Incorrect, but anyway, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I was I played a Not ton of right. Mario 3D Land and Mario 3D World yeah. this year, and it was super exciting to see basically the back half of those games were at a difficulty level that reminded me of oh, yes. eight and sixteen bit stuff. So it's cool to hear that that's also happening with the Donkey Kong Country stuff because maybe that's actually why those games are fun is because they uh, require effort to complete. Absolutely, <laughs> and there's tons of bonus content in this. Also, there's tons of end game content that's ridiculously, ridiculously hard. So I want you to get this game so we can hot seat it. Does it look nice or is it ugly? It's beautiful. Okay, yeah. it's absolutely beautiful. I, I zoned you know, the out. The only that times part. I've been to your new apartment is to play the Wii U. Yeah, the only times. <laughs> no, awesome. Oh, do we play both times? Yeah. Oh, interesting. And there's there's, <laughs> there's decent co op too. Actually, you don't have to hot seat it. The co op is actually pretty fun. Oh, I can be uh, Diddy Kong. You can be Diddy Kong or Dixie Kong, gender equality, or Cranky Kong. What is it? What is oh, it? Please, Cranky, yeah. please. What is it? He has please. a pogo move. It's awesome. Oh, what my is, God. So he's yeah. got the, the DuckTales pogo move? He's yeah. basically a way better version of Scrooge McDuck. <gasps> yeah, I don't know if he's a way better version of Scrooge McDuck. Mechanically speaking, mechanically speaking, this works better than the remaster, DuckTales remaster. But he's okay. still so. Cranky Kong, so he's inferior by multiple orders of magnitude. I don't know. Cranky is pretty great. As a hmm. You don't like Cranky Kong? My, actually, I, I think the only Donkey Kong Country I've ever played is the original one on the Super Nintendo, and yeah. my only experience with Cranky Kong... Wasn't he like the store? It, admittedly, admittedly, it's it's softened with age, actually, because what it, the way that it starts, the way that Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo starts is Cranky Kong has got like his old phonograph out, and then Donkey Kong is like, get out of the way, Gramps, and like slams him, <laughs> and slams him out of the way, then a huge 3D Donkey Kong Country comes flying in, and like, I thought that was the just trashiest thing, but now I'm like, like, sweet 94, just bringing it fully with the Donkey Kong Country start screen cinematic, it's fine. Well, Cranky was the original Donkey Kong. Yeah. There's a whole story there. He was the original Donkey Kong he has this little phonograph and he's on the girders from the original Donkey Kong. I know, Kong. but then he gets he gets slammed out of the way by I the know, cool new it's Donkey the new Kong. New generation, man. <laughs> 1994. And then that was cemented. It's so funny that he's the original Donkey Kong because that means at one point he had to have a name change. So right. at one point he had to just be like I'm not you're Donkey Kong now. Yeah, like was exactly. it the birth of Donkey it's Kong? It's like Santa Claus, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's funny cuz he's cuz Donkey Kong that he's probably then Donkey Kong Jr. As featured in Donkey Kong Jr. That's right. And Cranky Kong at some point was probably named Donkey in quotes Cranky Kong because he was he got like a cantankerous became a cantankerous old man. Yeah. So his his full name is also Donkey Kong. Okay. But then now they've got to have this weird like. Yeah. It's all in the Mr. Family. Kong is my father. Right. Cranky. Like call me guy. Donkey yeah. Kong. Yeah. It's a call guy. Buffalo. And then you're like Donkey Kong Jr. <laughs> is my kid Diddy Kong. Don't call me that anymore. I don't wear that diaper anymore. I now jump on crocodiles. It's the way succession works. <laughs> That's basically what how Donkey Kong has to. I wear a tie now. I, no, I go to work because, because of Donkey Kong Country. They'll, they'll never all shift to the right. Like Donkey Kong that we know. Wait, Diddy Kong Racing is never going to become Donkey Kong Racing, and then Donkey Kong becomes like cool guy. What's right? It? Yeah. Who knows what Donkey Kong's uh, moniker would be if he grew up? 
Hmm. Oh, man. Something to ruminate on. Manky, yeah. like, Manic Kong? Manic? I don't know. Just cool guy. Cool I think guy he's cool. Kong? He's the cool one. Like, he does, like... He'd get old and cool. He'd be, like... He's got, like, yeah. really sassy taunts in Super Smash Brothers where, like, he does, like, Egyptian dance move oh, poses. Yeah. He's got the DK rap that goes with him. So he's actually just going to be holding on to your past too tightly, Kong. Oh, I you, think, you, you, don't think hold... you don't think he'll age gracefully? <laughs> I totally think he would. He seems like the George Clooney of the He's going to be cool dad Kong. <laughs> so you think someone like... He's going to be on a Vespa in Italy. You think like, the DK uh, rap for Donkey Kong then is like when someone talks about like when George Clooney was Batman that one time? <laughs> I was gonna, <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. That, He's that, like, that, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that was... Everybody needs a little money. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Everybody has a nipple I'm on a yacht now. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> so when, we, when Donkey Kong ages and is in like Syriana... <laughs> yeah, when he does a serious turn. Yeah. He's going to do a serious turn. And then after that, he'll do a big ensemble movie. Two of them. Like an I Ocean's would, Eleven sort of thing. I would pay so much money to see, like, a Donkey Kong Syriana. Like, just Syriana with should. Donkey Kong They should Kong start doing replaced. serious games with yeah. Nintendo characters. <laughs> really and heavily then, color graded. Just. And then do, a, like, a, a heist movie with, like, Mario and Donkey Kong. Well, Donkey like, Mario's Don- Monaco. It's yeah, perfect. exactly. Yeah, that's fine. I, I love it. Little Toad's, Toad would be the Grease Man. <laughs> yeah. Put him in. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, but you, yeah, it's Donkey Kong and like Captain Falcon at a bar. They're talking about how they need to recruit Waluigi to do one last job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, it's good. I'm Waluigi's so tearing up that. his betting stub after all his horses lose or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He's also old. <laughs> That's fine, yeah. I thought okay. I would still play that. That's... It's not going to be made. I mean, maybe in in Nintendo's current state, they'll have to start making desperate plays. <laughs> right, I think they're going to take ideas from like, anywhere. The audience that grew up with us is now in their 30s and 40s. <laughs> what are they like? Get that Netflix data. <laughs> they want House of Cards. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to take a break. We should stop for a second. I'll take a break. Or okay. we'll explode. We'll come back with some video games. We would like to thank our sponsor for the week, Audible. You can go to audiblepodcast.com slash thumbs, as in two thumbs. As in idle thumbs. As in idle thumbs. You are a thumb. This is idle thumbs. Anyway, audiblepodcast.com slash thumbs, and you can get a free audiobook download and a free month of the service uh, to try out. And you should. It's really, really, really good, actually. Um... I actually just started using it again because I'm riding my bike. And if I listen to music while I'm on my bike riding to work, my bicycle, not my motorcycle, please. But uh, you can get murdered. You'll get murdered by a, car, a truck that will run you over. But having nice, dulcet narration in your ear keeps your ears available for uh, things like sirens and Mack trucks. But uh, yeah, so I started listening to books again. What are you listening to? So Ollie just recommended Dark Matter by... Uh, Paver is the author's last name? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was listening to it while working, and I can't really listen to audio, spoken word audio, while working. Oh, Michelle uh, Paver. Michelle Paver, yeah. And uh, it's awesome. Just just seriously got it. So I actually just restarted my Audible subscription, which you can do. Um, so like, even if you try it out and you go for a few months and then your lifestyle changes, you can just cancel it like anything. It's really great, though. Uh, highly recommended. It also, a lot of books sync up with your Kindle, which is really cool. Yep. Um, so you can be on one page, and then it'll jump in the audiobook. Pretty amazing. Yeah, my girlfriend was just reading The Goldfinch, that book. Yeah, that's a, that's a book. That's a book like, that everyone's talking about for some reason, really, yeah, but yeah, she yeah. was bouncing back and forth between the audiobook and the Kindle version yeah. and seemed to be into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's audiblepodcast.com slash thumbs. So thanks, Audible. You're welcome. Video games. Huh? And we're back. Oh! I didn't know we were back. Yeah. I thought we were coming back. No. Okay. I was going to seg that into Ooh, rational. So class. was I! But you know who's knocking Oh, 15 of you are coming back. Buzz, your girlfriend. Yeah. Woof. So. Sorry. Man, a whole cheese pizza just for just, for, just, Ken, for, just for Ken Levine, unfortunately. <laughs> Ken Levine is home alone. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. That yeah. killed me. That murdered me. Oh, God. Home alone? No, yes. Okay, good. Just making sure. <laughs> yeah, can you tell if that, if that stoic look was I refuse to engage or I do not understand what's like, happening? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the refusal to engage, which is the most acceptable of all things. I think so. Buzz's girlfriend. 
Woof. Woof. <laughs> okay. It's so weird that... Sorry, I don't know how... We're going to probably be awkward weirdos because we work at developers, like, are part of the ownership of developers. You know, you can, you know, you can say whatever me. you want. You can just fucking <laughs> just take a giant dump wherever you choose. But, uh... It's, so it'll probably be a little weird uh, talking about the closing of another developer, but... The post from Ken on the Irrational Games site was weird. Ken Kasavin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Hey, Ken. Ken Games Kasavin, as yeah. it's known. Um, yeah. In that it sounds like... I don't know. If you're Ken Levine, I don't know how you choose to say, I want to do something else. Goodbye, everybody else. Because I think he chose to say that. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because Irrational Games now, for all intents and purposes closed. I, it seemed ambiguous to me as it to whether is, or not... It is Ken, Are Ken Levine and the 15 other people going to continue to operate under the name Irrational Games, or are they going to be... It would be a fitting name. But the letter that he put up, right, it said I wish to pursue something smaller. I'm taking 15 people with me. Layoffs are terrible, but we've laid everyone else off. That's... It's, it's a weird direction for what seems so clearly to be spin, right? Because Bioshock Infinite in development for six years burned hundreds of like, the, their burn for the duration of that was hundreds of people across I think three studios at yeah, least two the studios was, the game is a 200 million dollar game that's and, what you hear banded about and then the, the I mean it seems like it sold it sold millions and millions of copies four million uh, so it, it I imagine that game didn't lose money but I imagine that game also did not do anything resembling make the Return on investment that 2K or the Take Two yeah, would like. The numbers that Lee Alexander quoted in, a P, in an op-ed that she wrote in Gamma Sutra today were like, game sold four million, which is about what Bioshock One sold with a much smaller console install base. So, really, like Bioshock One's team was a two-digit number of people. It seems like at least for yeah, most of development, from talking well. to like JP and those guys, and it was yeah only a couple of years in development too, yeah. or a few. But it's it's a weird, it's a weird, weird, weird goddamn choice to me to. Have your studio closed, potentially, like no one knows, obviously, but the uh, the feeling is closed out from under you by your parent company, and then for the public spin to be, I will continue to do a thing with 15 of these other people. Yeah, it feels like there's a, there's sort of like, can't wait to see what Ken does next, which is crazy to me. <laughs> like that, this is sort of what you want, I guess, when you write that I'm off to pursue different interests, but you, I don't know, like we, you and I were fired up yesterday when this news broke but i think we've since we've we've had a sleep on it and we're a little less angry <laughs> but yeah. well there, i mean obviously again i mean it feels like what happened is 2k who doesn't care about anything but the business side of the of the business or take well, two you say yeah take, take two, two probably more closes the studio because the studio has is, is working untenable rate well, you're looking at what we're going to greenlight another game are you going to spend the exact same amount over the exact same amount of time? Like, you can't do that. Right. Especially now when we have new hardware, right? So, like, with a much smaller install base, you just can't do another game there. So they close the studio, but then I guess Ken gets to save face by saying it was kind of his choice, which is something you could never do. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'd be able to do that. I feel like I would have to say, like, my studio got shit canned. Took too, we spent too much money. Right. Off I go to, to seek new opportunities, but we're all fine. It's weird, right? Because it, the thing that frustrates me is that they're a publisher-owned studio. They're a they're a they're a big ass AAA. They're like they irrational, nay two K Boston, nay irrational was emblematic of the creative-led AAA studio, like the studio right. that still can deliver on the vision of a dude, um, but execute at a, at a production level higher than what anyone else can can do like there's you know singular ideas represented in the triple a space but no one ever actually knows what goes on uh, behind the scenes at irrational like you he, when infinite was in production you heard a, if you just follow a lot of game developers on twitter it was very clear that there was a ton of turnover at that studio over over the course of infinite um it's it's clear in burial at sea that there's a huge amount of turnover like i imagine if there was a venn diagram of people who shipped bioshock one's rapture and people who shipped burial at sea's rapture the sliver in the middle would be a sliver Tiny, yeah. and like it's always been this black box and it's it's just it's infuriating to me that the way that it closed still managed to keep the black box shut <laughs> like that ken levine didn't just come point. out and say here is what happened the numbers were not met we were closed or even just 2k take two wanted to take their studio structure in a different direction anything instead you get 
this is still my desire, which is weird. Like it's like he's kind of taking the hit, but he's also fully just dodging the eight thousand like bullet trains that are effectively <laughs> would have just you know pile driven that messaging into the dirt. Yeah. They're um, bullet trains descending up from the sky down to the ground, <laughs> apparently, um, in a wrestling arena. They're future sky trains that go to the moon. Yeah. I understand. But that. they're coming back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, return trip from the moon. Which is shoot up in the next fucking Bioshock game. Yes. <laughs> That's what the... Yeah. Some, that was the... Um, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. The, they were the best thing that? was no, 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 no. This was on an Idle Thumbs or something like that. <laughs> well, it, it was, was no. on the forums. It was, it was, like, it was, it, it, was a, it was a take two executive. Oh, really? Because oh, yeah. it was in regards oh. to Bioshock Two, and it, I it heard had about been it announced, and they were like, "That's why we see Bioshock going all sorts of places." I mean, maybe Bioshock Five is on the moon, and I'm sure like Ken Levine was just like, like one of his teeth cracked. We were like, we were like, oh, Moonshock. The best thing ever. You can go back and listen to an irrational behavior that Chris Remo is on. I think they're talking to either Kieran Gillen. Or that's what I think it is. They talk about like it was right after Infinite got announced, and Bioshock is sort of this like this milieu, right, and this this theme and this tone. And somebody's like, "Oh, I guess you could really have a Bioshock somewhere." Like Kieran says, like anyway. place X, place yeah. Y. And in the background, you hear a tiny Chris Remo voice just go, "Moon." <laughs> so good. I remember sitting at my desk and losing it. Yeah, yeah. but um, it's well, the thing that I think that. This is the thing that sort of annoys me, and this is probably completely unfair, so probably going to make an enemy. But I feel like that, that enemy could be sitting at this very table. Oh, shit. It's, it's Greg. It's definitely Greg. <laughs> it's definitely Greg. Look at him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that post on the website trades on the fact that people who are fans of video games don't know what the hell is going on. In that sure. there's probably people who think that Irrational is an independent studio that has a partnership with Take-Two and 2K. The same, like, um, like Naughty Dog or something with Sony. Like, they're technically still. I mean, that's not the case anymore mm-hmm. with Naughty Dog. But anyway. Um, like, like Media Molecule was that for a while, and then they got yeah, it. Right. They, they got bought, but, like, they were, yeah. Like, people don't realize that, like, Irrational is just the moniker put to 2K Boston. 2K Boston is a Take-Two studio, well, completely wholly owned. It was Irrational that it was, ter- then 2K yeah. bought them. Bought them, yeah. That was, like, the cost of completing Bioshock 1, I think, was be consumed by Take-Two, and right. then they will allow you to finish the game but now like there's owned that's part of why it was uh, such a surprise really because i think that was only about three years ago or so that um i, I was actually uh working at 2k at the time on the publishing side mm-hmm. uh, when when um irrational sort of regained its identity right, rebranded um, yeah. yeah and that i would like as a fan of irrational um and as someone who's whatever not like a Stakeholder and take. I was like, "That's awesome!" Like, I thought it was really cool because yeah. irrational. Well, the meant, new website went up, and it felt yeah, like I lost my mind when that happened. So yeah, it was yeah. it was great. Yeah. Um, so so uh, you know, you know, my my first reaction was of you know just a sadness, right? Yeah, it's just it, like, oh man. Yeah, it felt like uh, when when that huge irrational like re basically like a re rebrand happened. It felt like th- they had a trajectory of trying to like take off yeah. not only from being a two K subsidiary, but from like. It seemed like the hope was Irrational Games as an entity will like at least try to hit the level of Firaxis, but you can kind of feel that what they were hoping for actually was that they could escape out of 2K as a name and exist as Irrational, the yeah. brand. Yeah, or, well, and obviously there weren't that, even like that, Irrational forums on the 2K forums. They were completely no, separate right. forums. They were separate communities. Like They had yeah. been doing everything except like at the paper level, like what to do yeah, like, to yeah. make and, themselves and, an independent. That's great. I mean, it, and it, um, you know, there, there are fewer and fewer of these large medium sized studios these days. And, uh, but, but I think, uh, for those of us who've been playing games a long time, I think we, I don't know, at least for me, just speaking only for myself, I want some of these companies like naughty dog and irrational, like the guys who do like, you know, bring the pain with the visionary kind of triple A. Yeah, we, like we don't need a lot of those, but I, I like having some of those games around cause they're, they're pretty inspiring when they're done really well. And, and, um, we went through a, a weird grieving cycle yesterday where I don't know if it was in order exactly, but we were like, God damn it. What fucking bullshit? What is this trash? What is happening here? Yeah. All those people, what is this message? And then we're like, Oh my God, but what about people who really do love this kind of game and they just aren't going to exist anymore? Like what's going to happen? No, fuck this. And it's like, it was this <laughs> yeah. weird, like, yeah, just people like holding no, themselves it's... by the collar and punching themselves in yeah. the face saying, you shut up. And it's like, well, we're all just <laughs> arguing with ourselves over nothing. But like, yeah. it, like, all of this stuff, like, I was furious at that message from Ken Levine on that website yesterday. I was just like, it's weird. Like, just, like, <laughs> it was, it, it's it, unusual. It, it flashed to mind, like, stuff that, like, I mean, you know, I think 
Uh, Nate Wells, who was the art director on Infinite, is credited as additional art because he left. Steve Ganner was the level designer on Finkton in that, and he's credited as special thanks. And, like, just anyone you follow from Irrational on Twitter, like, that's just the AAA thing, which sucks everywhere. But, like, people who I just know from the internet and know what that experience has been like, I was so pissed yesterday. But then it, what sucks um, is that I also still want to know what Ken Levine's next game is, which is... <laughs> <laughs> He's made a lot of games that I like. It's so infuriating to me. I'm a human being. Well, I am but a humble human being. You're wet. You just went the whole way there. You started at the top of the wheel, you came down to the bottom of the wheel, and you went back up to the top. That doesn't mean that I'm going to buy the game or like... You're going to buy the game. I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> I don't really? think it's going to be out for a while, so... <laughs> Maybe yeah, I, I will. It'll be <laughs> six years. Judgment. It's okay. Yeah. I don't know. It's... The combination of not knowing what the details of what happened plus right. knowing the fallout of the people who have been churned through both that specific process and the general process of the AAA machine plus being a person who has loved the output of that studio. The it's just like, like, ah, is the black has, box, right? Because I feel like yeah. it's not just a black box. Because, like, Valve is a black box, right? Fine. Be a black box. But I feel like part of Irrational's, yeah. like, spin was to not be. Like, we have this great podcast. It's about the people of Irrational. Yeah, we have this really active It was always very form. controlled, though. I know. And that's what drives me crazy. But, like, what <laughs> – but, I mean, in fairness – It's, in, like, in transparency fairness, through opaqueness. But, like, what, what – you know, what large studio isn't like that, though? Like, like there – I mean, you guys have worked at larger studios before. There, there's – I don't know that – I don't know that there's ever been, like, a big game whose development – that turned out good, whose development went smoothly, and everyone's like, "This was this was chill." Oh yeah, yeah. I just, sure. this was no, a, I'm just saying, I felt like there's, time. Like, I worked like nine there's to a five big and, messaging effort to like peer yeah. inside the walls of irrational. Yeah, I mean, or I think, like, I but think, that's all packaged up. I think and there I felt are like the same, in that in the post from yesterday felt like emblematic, felt emblematic yeah. of that. There are also up. there's it's like just fucking get fired like everybody else does. Like, I've <laughs> sorry. He, he did. So, I mean, a thing that was interesting. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. So, in the message, it did. I mean, if you if you if you take it at face value, uh, he made it sound like he was planning to leave to go do something else. And when he when he said that he was going to do that, Take Two basically convinced him to stay and do it there. Right. So, I think there was a plan A, um, where he was just going to peace out. Right. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily explain why the studio can't go on without him, because um, because studios yeah. often have you know succession plans, uh, but you know if it's his, I, I suppose. But is it his? Uh, yeah, no, it may, it's not. And it's also, take two, like, it's take two. Don't put the message up. It's like when LeBron yeah. James went on television to tell everybody he was it's leaving a, his hometown to go to, see, yeah, to, go to it, Miami. It's like, I mean, just don't do that on TV. <laughs> like, like it, it got as 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 you said before. It got like a. It was. It got a range of responses, right? There's a lot of people yeah. who are like excited to see what you do next, who don't necessarily have that context of like right. the human impact or whatever, and there are other people who are angry about it and so on. I right. think it's like Sorry, I'm gonna yeah. cool it down now. As far as you were talking about crunch and like people game. killing themselves for a triple A game, I've never worked on a triple A game. The closest that I've ever worked on was The Walking Dead season one, which I think had that game and its team size and its budget existed 10 years ago, it would definitely have been a triple-A game. But in in the world of Assassin's Creed, having sure. a team of 60 people at its peak is intense, but it's like I, I don't have the frame of reference of sure, people who actually like uh, who worked at something at Bioshock Infinite scale or like modern triple-A mm-hmm. scale. But I do feel like there's there's definitely two different types of crunch. And I not to generalize, but there's there's, you know... If you really believe in the product, whatever the size, and you believe in the work that you're doing, you will just kill yourself for it. But then there's also you will kill yourself because you are told that you have to kill yourself. And I'm sure within the people of Irrational, like with everyone else, that's a total sliding scale. But I, I don't like I don't like crunch as the justification for anything because I no, think that I, so, I think like. Telling people don't crunch is fine. They probably still will just because they like to. But then you can't flip they like, that. They like the idea of their product being better, right? Like yeah, a thing to be good. They yeah, you just likes to do. You it. know, at a certain point, you have to actually burn the extra calories. But like, it's it feels like that studio had a lot of really intense churn towards the end. Uh, I, I, but you know, I, I believe it. I, I, and I'm not. And I certainly uh, wasn't suggesting that that. Is an excuse for anything. Right. Um, I just uh, you think were. It's, an, no. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah. I, I I was more responding to the idea that like they should be like airing th- that that they should be like publicly talking about right. how 
everything isn't going perfect all the time, which no studio no, no, does. No, 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 no one does that. No, but I just think like that in it's, it's most like, studios, instead of doing that, say nothing. But yeah, it felt like Rational's always saying something. No, so I think you know increasingly, I mean? uh, well, so I think, you know, when there was the rebranding, the relaunch, that there are all these great plans and they got their podcast and all that. And as they move into like late production, they're trying to ship the damn game. Yeah, all that stuff fell off. Yeah, it fell off. And that's, I mean, and I think that's like human. Mm-hmm. I think that's like what happens because <laughs> they only have so much time. They're trying to make the best of it and they're trying to maintain good appearances because yeah. that's what that's what we all do. I mean, that's what we try to do in, in, when when we're like under, yep. you know, they're, they're under, God, the kind of pressure that, I have no idea what it must have been like trying to like, you know, live up to freaking Bioshock, right? You guys have to live up to Bastion. No, I mean, <laughs> no, sorry, you're giving him complex. No, no, I experienced that in my own yeah, way, sure, right, right. and 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 I and I often um, the way I put it into perspective for myself is like, man, that's just Bastion. Like, that's not oh. that's not freaking that's not freaking modern warfare. That's not Bioshock, and like it. it and I don't see the difference. Sorry. No, that's fine. As a I consumer, I'm there, just there, like, there, I think you would a, feel it's a quantitative difference, though. Right. There I see, is, I see exactly. there yeah, is yeah, like yeah. A, you would feel different um, if you ship Bastion and then said our next game requires that we staff up a hundred people. Whose oh, livelihood exactly. is dependent on yeah. my uh, right, insecurities right, right. about making the follow up to Bastion? Well, I mean, are right. we like, also that's like? Point. That's a very good point. I mean, I think that a thing I'm terrified of as a more general idea is like, if you get into that mindset of like trying to just make something bigger and better than your last thing every time, I think that's a really scary road to go down because, like, by definition, if you did your best, then you can't. You can't really do that well, much better the next time. So, like trying to make it, you know, twice as big, twice as long, twice as ambitious. It's like you're gonna, you're gonna freaking kill. Also, if you think about it as, so. man, I was gonna say as a physics puzzle, but as an actual real life construction project, building on your past success by only going for bigger and better. That as an analogy, both of your mental state yeah. and of your expectations and of just the structure that that constructs is physically untenable at that's a certain right. point. Like it's and just, it is going to explode. And, and that's not to say, I mean, I don't necessarily think that's what Bioshock Infinite was going for, but I think that's like the pressure that uh, those types of people find themselves but, under. But you would say that Transistor has three times the weapons <laughs> yeah. and at least, that, at least right. twice as big of a world yeah. as Bastion. There, there was a guy on, there was like a random guy on Facebook yesterday who's like, like I hope it's at least twice as long as Bastion. It's like man, <laughs> bad like, news. I, 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 re- I re- replied to him very kind of politically, and like right. I'm like like making a game like, like making it longer was not it was at no point our priority. Like either for the yeah. previous game or this game. So when I walked out of Inside <laughs> Llewellyn Davis, I was like, I hope the Coen Brothers' next movie is twice as long as this one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, double yeah. the content, please. Yeah. That always makes everything no, 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 better. I know, I know. But uh, it's, it, it's you know, yeah. people mean that. Like, I have a question actually. Yeah. Do you do you put yourself under pressure for audience reception, or do you just put yourself under pressure because you're a neurotic creative person? Uh, it, it um, it's the latter. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel I feel the same. I feel the same pressure as on Bastion, and and it is the same pressure because if if the game succeeds, then I will keep doing this, at probably maybe potentially the odds of that are higher, and if it fails, then I will probably have to go do something else. Um, right. And that and that to me is a I, 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 I derive I'm I'm a I'm a Russian Jew. I get a lot of like I I, I take a lot of my motivation from very negative places. <laughs> I think it's like ingrained <laughs> in my in my DNA. Um, so I I like and and Fear also on. Yeah, like on Bastion, it was the first game I got to write. Like, I felt a lot of personal pressure to like. I'd made a number of career, you know, career changes to get to the point where I could do that. It was. It, um, I, I mean, I was sort of jokingly said it was coming from a negative place. It wasn't. Like, I, I had the stuff that I, I wanted to like get this type of uh, work out of me in a way and do whatever, do something that I felt happy about. Um, and that's that's enough for me. And then hopefully other people respond well to it. But I, I don't like. A thing that was actually really surprising to me when I got into game development was like just how much people actually cared about game reviews, like who are on the development side. I was shocked. Right. Um, so much talk of like Metacritic and like back solving from what like reviewers are. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? I'm like, I'll tell you what they're thinking. They're thinking the same thing you think when you go home. You play a game. Like it's right. they're not they're not aliens. They're just people like you, right. and they're gonna. And and most of the game designer game designers I've met are way more critical of their own stuff than like other people are you see yeah. all the flaws and all that and it's like dude don't don't second guess yourself so much don't like if you think this is shitty then change it like don't think that you're <laughs> gonna like sweep it under the carpet no one's gonna notice they'll notice 
they'll notice all the flaws that you see and whatever. Hopefully they'll, they'll notice all the flaws. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I mean, this is why um, I actually think that reviewers should know more about game design, frankly. But yeah, I mean, I mean that's another subject, obviously. But um, yeah, they, they, yeah, I mean, I'm of that opinion. <laughs> they're within their right, though, just to like, like people's experiences are are their own, whether they know about game design or sure. not. If they can like articulate their experience and say, you know, why it worked for them, why it didn't, there's no, there's no arguing or denying that. You can like agree or disagree, but you can't say you were wrong. You you don't understand game design. You 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 don't understand the genius of this design. It's like no, I thought it was shitty. It's like end of story. <laughs> You right, know, that's always um, valid. Of yeah, course. so yeah. so as long as the person can you know present it, um, so, can articulate um, that. Yeah, and and you know, game designers should try to anticipate those those different outcomes because you're not making the game just for yourself, probably. Um, that's all. That's all you can do, I guess. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't stick on this for yeah. No, let's anyway, just, we don't need to do reader mail. Let's just have like, a good okay. conversation. I want to talk about Valve for half a second because you talked about you talked about <laughs> Valve as no. Yes. I was talking about a black box. Yeah. No, because you're talking yeah. about Valve as a black box, and it's funny to me because Valve was the ultimate black box of game development for years. Half Life came out, but their website still just said Valve Software right. had a picture of the Valve guy on it, and then it said we like made Half Life, and it linked to a page that had a picture of Gordon Freeman on it, and then it said. We are also developing Team Fortress 2, and eventually it said Counter-Strike. Uh, whatever that Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike sequel was called that it had its weird, like, like Brothers, Con- Brotherhood. Condition uh, Zero? Condition, no, 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 the old, 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 or Team Fortress, sorry. Team, yeah, yeah. Team Fortress the had military a... military version Yeah, it had a TF2. crazy name. Yeah. It didn't, yeah. Or it, I don't know. Yeah, um, anyway, that page just stayed st- static with nothing on it right. until Half-Life 2 was announced in uh, whatever that was, 2003 or four. And then even then, they were just completely silent about everything up until, like, the Half-Life 2 episodes and the Orange Box was when they finally started to, like, uh, yeah, they had blogs the where their developers were showing like, up. Team yeah. Fortress came out. They had those cartoons. And then that expanded out to them releasing all sorts of metrics. Like, they released Steam survey right. results. They released sales information. And I think, though, which is the complete opposite of what anyone else in the world does, but I, I think the only reason they felt like they were comfortable to make that uh, like slow march into just being insanely revealing about all of their processes is because they just make infinite money. Like I think they have right. the comfort sure. of being able to be like, look, this is these numbers are always going up into the right, and right. we'll do that forever. So like they don't have, there's no risk right for, for them being open. Whereas I think 2K is probably always totally right. terrified. I mean, Valve is also <laughs> the weird billionaire, yeah. like drunk and naked in the middle of the afternoon in town square, and they're like, yeah, well, fuck like, it, <laughs> yeah. what we can do Here about we this. Uh, it's, it's, but uh, Valve is also really big on their like flat organizational structure, and like like yeah, you, any any of their games, the credits is just an alphabetical list of everyone who worked yeah. on it. No job titles, no nothing. I suppose Valve is a bad example, but like, like, you could have said some. Well, they're, like, they're just dog, unique. You know, Valve. Yeah. Like for, for years, though, Valve was like Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, where it was just like, it says <laughs> Valve Software on the outside, and you're like, right. inside of there come all of the best games, but no one knows how yeah. they're made, no one knows anything about their business other than, like, the Cabal model or whatever. It, you know, yeah. it works for yeah. them right now, but, like, if they ever, you know, the like, on, on, on something like The Last of Us, I think it's, it's really nice having someone like Neil Druckmann, who's, like, articulate about the game and can, like... You know, hopefully the team feels this way or whatever. But as as a reader of like interviews featuring Neil Druckmann or something, it's like, yeah, that's cool. I understand what right. this is going for. I mean, Valve currently makes these kind of multiplayer games. They don't have like a. It's convenient that they're all alphabetized. But if they ever do make like a Half Life Three, they need they need to have someone who can like. Who's it going to be? Is it going to be Gabe or what? Like, who's going to talk Adrian about how? It'll be phenomenal. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That. Yelling at people. Actually, <laughs> I actually think it's really interesting to think about, you know, Irrational and Naughty Dog and sort of the ways in which, you know, The Last of Us and Bioshock Infinite were made because in so many ways they seem like parallel yeah. games and parallel right. studios, you know, of the same general sort of budget. It's cinematic, you know, right. kind of game. Same huge pressures. budget games, same pressures, yeah. so on and so forth. But, you know, the things I've heard about working at Naughty Dog versus the things I've heard about working at Irrational are just so radically different and, you know, more negative on the side of Irrational. I mean, I would really love, you know, this is where game journalism should maybe step up and actually somebody should, you know, not me. I'm a reviewer. I don't actually do this, but, you know. <laughs> Pitch this feature. Write a, a feature book, right you know. Yeah. yeah no, hey, maybe great, I could do right? that. But I think Brecken wants to write a book. It's hilarious. Yeah, I, I would read that. I would be fascinated by that, yeah. you know of actually who these people are as leaders and who they are as managers and how much the of that... The primary colors of game development? Yeah, exactly. By, yeah. Well, the, the thing that's interesting that, that a, lot of, a lot of guys have in common to run these big studios is they started 
you know, they started as small studio leaders with, yeah. with like five people or fewer or whatever. And they're not like the kind of person that it takes to like effectively run like 500, a thousand people is like probably it has a very different disposition than the guy who's like this is like young entrepreneurial, like artist, video game nerd guy who like made He's some running awesome a small game. team. Yeah. Yeah. Made exactly. some awesome game in the nineties. Like my, I, I mean, like our, our, my thing, I, I don't, I would not want to run or be, be anywhere near running a, a big studio. Like no, having, having worked at bigger companies and smaller companies before is just, for me, it's like hard to get to know people and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, I, I'd rather work with fewer people that I know really well. It's, How big is Supergiant right now? Like twelve? We're, uh, we're yeah, we're yeah. eleven. Oh, yeah, okay. um, and gonna basically, yeah, basically stay stay there as far as we can help it. Nice. Um, and that's just like, yeah, for us that we were seven on Bastion, so that was and and we saw that we had like big, even that even that level of growth, which which on a percentage basis is actually fairly significant, um, but you know in terms of total number, it's pretty I guess relatively small. But uh, that that was still like a big sort of spiritual decision for us and really difficult just to bring anybody on at all because we know that anyone that we bring on no matter how awesome they are is gonna like change it's gonna alter the chemistry of everyone else there right um because all those suddenly all of those interactions you think of it like even in video game terms of like a real-time strategy game like at any time you add a unit it's like right. exponentially more complex because right. the interactions happen you know across across the board right. um so so we're we're hypersensitive to that and and frankly it's scary um but you yeah know, we're going through that right now yeah thankfully <laughs> i mean it's 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 yeah. gone it's gone we've known since we started exactly how big we wanted to be on this game yeah. like exactly like we knew kind of what people would be responsible for but it's still like maddening to add yeah really, yeah really so and chris is the only person we've added since we started and right and it helps because you've you've known him forever right it's like yeah yeah yeah. You know yeah. he's good for his work. It's a huge deal. Yep. Yeah. Do you guys want to do some reader mail or you want to call it? I got a feel this is a good, good conversation. You don't, <gasps> all right. Do you have one you really want to do? There's, there's one that I like because it hits a lot of things, not and none of them are incredibly serious. Oh, that's it. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> because it's about a person um, playing Spelunky and MOBAs while riding a stationary bike. So, um, oh, I know who this is. Uh, is. Do you? I know who sent this. It's going to be like training. John, aka race. Gritfish. No, I, I'm not familiar with Right. <laughs> uh, a few casts ago, Chris mentioned wanting to get a stationary bike or something for his Spelunky runs. I typically play most games on a treadmill and have only just gotten to the point where I'm not just, quote, eating shit in the mines. At first, I was going to say, maybe not bother. Uh, dying in Spelunky can often happen early and can be demoralizing to the point that you don't want to continue walking. But I thought I'd give it a serious try and pay attention to the experiences I did. Chris has talked about the experiences of playing both drunk and on medication. Playing on a treadmill can be pretty similar. Awesome. You, you know you're impaired. Awesome. This guy's the anti-Chris. That's so funny. I'm just drunk on pills. What's up? No, he said, he said Chris has talked about I know, it. I know. It's just so funny that Chris being like, this drunk took some Vicodin. What's Price up? Blunky, <laughs> like, I'm on my treadmill. On my, yeah. my ninth like, I'm getting healthy. He said, yeah. So to Chris, who apparently just plays drunk and medicated, uh, playing, uh, playing on... Uh, wow. Playing on a treadmill can be pretty similar. You know you're impaired and can get overly tense about it, but it can also go the other way, where you focus so intensely on making a jump or running from bees and completely forget that you're walking. In the past four years, Spelunky is about the only game this has happened to me with. Anyway, while I maybe wouldn't recommend Spelunky on a treadmill uh, as an exercise regimen, it probably it's probably still interesting to experience just how much a video game can affect you physically, which segs into my question. Um, when I've played Awesome Knots, a.k.a. the MOBA for babies, he means the Lord's Management game for babies, right. it's, uh, it's been a pretty stressful experience. If the teams are unevenly matched, you're doomed to fail slowly for the next half hour with no easy way to GG out of it. Mm -hmm. Playing normally used to make me so stressed that I uninstalled the game more than once. However, Greg. playing on a treadmill removed <laughs> that stress entirely... Yeah. Because uh, yeah, he says playing on a treadmill remove the stress entirely because the fear of wasted time doesn't matter anymore because hey I'm still getting exercise. Oh, yeah. So have you ever experienced a game in a new situation that completely changed your attitude towards it? Is his question. All this does is make me want to get a stationary bike to play Dota. So when I'm like getting tower, like the, the people will trap you in the well when they're so much more powerful than you and just murder you for like thirty minutes, and I'm gonna be like. Fuck you guys. I'm burning 500 calories an hour. Do your worst. <laughs> <laughs> like, pedaling away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was a good, it's really just like, good. That yeah. was a good rundown of just all things. It's pretty um, awesome. I was actually talking about this because we didn't talk about Titanfall today. No. But we'll talk about it next, oh, yeah. next week. Because um, I was Sorry. playing Titanfall Sorry. last night. And the last sort of really competitive shooter, console shooter that I played, I played a lot of Modern Warfare 2. Yeah. And uh, I'll talk about that next week. But um, I used to sit 
kind of similar to how I'm sitting right now, but like basically on a yoga ball, like or like this like weird little ottoman that I had, which is like I sit sound of like a catcher, but like my butt's up in the air. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, like you're like doing a, squats, like a weird squat, yeah. and like I'm the like, like the kneel stool, like the no, like basically exactly like I'm sitting now. Oh, okay. I just had this like little okay tiny ottoman thing, or I, my uh, ex girlfriend's yoga ball. Anyway. <laughs> And I, that's the only way I could play. It got to the point where, like, having, like, my core above my hips and, like, <laughs> like a solid line of, of balance was just, like, the only way I could play Modern Warfare. So then last night I was playing Titanfall and, like, scooched all the way out to the edge of the couch. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, what are you doing? You're about to take a poop. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm playing a video game. I feel like you could yeah. play Titanfall with a treadmill, but then you'd have to move to a stair machine when you got in the Titan. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. <laughs> That seems like the exercise regimen that that game prescribes. Oh, that's um, the best. I uh, mentioned it earlier, but I do this too, especially yeah. with RPGs. Like, I, I definitely need to be doing something active and physical. Yeah. Either if I'm taking a break. What's well, your job too, right? Like, yeah. 14 hours a day, like, sedentary is intense. It's, I can't even do yeah. it. Yeah, I need to, like, go for a run in the middle or something. Yeah. And definitely, like, during crazy insane review times i mm-hmm. uh i do this thing even if i'm in an office i'll like do push-up breaks and pull-up breaks and stuff like that and then go back to the game so my heart rate is elevated and then once it goes down i'm like back to that right just a whole regimen yeah pretty fun cool that's interesting that's a really good email Who yeah. was it? it was like John gristlefish AKA or something, something. yeah it's just the first name only okay thanks man yeah <laughs> That's anyway, a good email. Guys, thanks for coming. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for taking time Thank out of your you. day. It was really fun. We've never we don't really do midday podcasts, but this is really uh, fun actually. We'll keep doing it. Yeah. Um yeah. also, as we always say, if you have a question for us, you should write us at questions at adultthumbs.net. How can people get a hold of you two, Danielle and Greg? If they wanted to say hi. Twitter? Uh, yeah, Twitter's good. At Cassavin. Yep. Okay, yeah, I'm on Twitter too. It's uh Danielle R I and I'll spell it out just in case. It's D A N I E L L E R I. Cool. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. This yeah. is really fun. Chris, come back. I miss you. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, we need you. Goodbye. We got strangers in here. There's strangers in here. <laughs> the moon. Yeah. The moon. Yeah.